Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? That's gracious of you to say, as always. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. All right, uh, I've been absent. You and I, we've been we might have been feuding, we may not have been feuding. I don't know, but I have been on the I've been doing this podcast just as regularly as Wes Miller has been beating Temple, which is not very often. But tonight he did. Therefore, your boy, he's back. It's a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. Indeed it is, Hummer. Indeed it is. It is great to have you back, I think. You sound Maybe. different. You sound different. Your audio sounds like shit. And you're wearing a, a bucket hat. You've never looked more washed. I, I is Are you back? I can't tell. I mean, the, the sound. What's going on here, buddy? Wait, give me the situation. What's happening right now? My life has been falling apart. I'm in the final, the final stages of finishing up the NBA. I got, I got this class, one more class left. I'm on vacation, but I'm still waking up at 7 a.m. and, and putting in six hours of, of homework. I left my iPad in the airport on the way down here. Like I left, it's gone. It's done. Like I have to get a new one. Uh, so yeah, life is falling apart. I don't have a mic with me. I'm on AirPods. It's, and you know what? I'm I'm in the process of of going full transformation to dad. Not only am I wearing a bucket hat, but I also wore Crocs today. I wore Crocs to a pool. <laughs> it's I don't know. I don't know what's going on, man. It's it's a different world out here. I I I worry about you, but you know what? I'm not the only one. People, listeners from around the world have been reaching out to me, concerned about your well being. Hey, I'm going to keep listening to the podcast, but. Is Hummer coming back? Hey, I might stop listening to the podcast. Is Hummer coming back? Hey, you're a bloviating idiot. When is Hummer coming back? It's good to have you back on the podcast, buddy. I think your your perspective, your wisdom has been badly missed. I mean, let's not bury the lead here. Uh, Alabama is playing South Carolina. Did you all get that memo during during today's game? I missed it. I mi- did someone mention that? Was that mentioned? Oh, the entire broadcast. Once, they even twice, put the score up. They put the score times? up in the upper upper like right hand corner of the screen first, just just to know that uh, Alabama is in fact playing South Carolina, a ten and seventeen team. No one gives a shit. Why? why? Well, people do. People do care slightly about what's happening in Alabama right now. Even Alabama fans don't care what's happening in Alabama basketball. <laughs> They're like, we have a basketball team. That's what they're saying. They're like, my guy, my guy. I know you're off the bubble, or you're in a bubble off the reservation, where whatever you want, to, whatever terrible expression I'm blowing right now. Are you familiar with what's happening with the Alabama basketball program? No, I know they're good. I know they have a solid basketball team, but th- their fans don't care because it's not football. They're a football school. They're just like, oh, like oh, we have a basketball team. That's nice. It's it's like I have a, a brother-in-law who he's a huge Ohio State fan. Like, he went to Ohio State as his grandfather coached there, all this stuff. He – basketball is secondary to the point of, like, like legitimately it's like, oh, they're good. Maybe I'll go watch the game today. 
it's not like I have to go do it. And that's I, there's no way you're telling me Alabama fans wake up every year and go, "How's the basketball team going to be this year?" Heard they're going to be real good. Good thing I got my season tickets ten years ago. No, they're not doing that there. No one, there's no need to put the score of the Alabama game up on the left hand side or the right hand corner of a UC basketball game. ESPN do better. Okay, we're moving to the Big Twelve. Start treating us like a start treating us like a big boy. Hummer, that answer was perfect. And it was perfect because it does prove to people that what you're saying is, in fact, reality. This is not an act, folks. Hummer is consumed right now with everything outside of... Hummer's consumed by real life. But Hummer, when I tell you about Alabama basketball and you say it's it's the fact that people in Alabama don't care about it because they have a good football team, let me just share you an article that was posted in our discord server and talked about ad nauseum today from al.com. Darius miles asked Brandon Miller to bring gun used to kill Jamea Jone Harris police testify. Sir Brandon Miller is a projected top five lottery pick and one of the best players in college basketball and he has been lumped into an actual murder investigation. That's fine. Do I care about the score of the game then? No. Uh, Hummer. Maybe. It's good maybe, to have you maybe. back. Maybe it's, I'm more interested. It's, maybe. It's good to have I you back. I honestly could still, I could give, I could give two shits less. I could. I could actually spare some about the score of the Alabama game. Give me that article all day long, all right? Give me the follow-up. Give me the investigative journalism, all right? Give me the New York Times piece that's going to follow follow this up. But right now, look, it's all about UC basketball. It is and... about UC basketball. It's about an 88-83 victory over Temple. You alluded to it in the open. West Miller's first victory against the Temple Owls. This is was a really big one, first, though? So, so he's, he is one in three against Temple. In his first two years, correct? He's one and three against Temple, and admittedly, it might and, be. And guys, I'm, just, I'm just assuming. I'm just assuming that we played him twice last year. I'm assuming that. So there, there might be an assumption on my part, but well, we, we I'm also, assuming that it's, it's, it's that that's in fact the record. We we did in fact have a podcast about Bearcat basketball last year as well, and and those games were played. Um, oh. boy, you, you've been checked out for a while now. I'm just making sure because you know maybe we only played him once last year. I don't know. I don't. I didn't go back and check the scores last year. Last year was a uh, we did a year that we wanted to forget. We played them twice. They've historically been a very tough matchup for the Bearcats. That did not change when West Miller arrived. They've got big guards. They typically and historically have abused David DeJulius in the post. Tonight was a very different story. Bearcats hold a, a solid lead throughout most of the game. They execute well. Defensively, there's some breakdowns. They're they're not at their best. Vic Lockins coming back in the lineup after a multiple game absence. Certainly not his hundred percent self yet. Wasn't quite comfortable out the out there. Had to get back in the flow of, of game speed. But the Bearcats were playing quite well. David DeJulius, who's on an absolute heater right now, finished with another stellar 20 point seven assist outing. He was largely in control of this game from start to finish. Unfortunately, what happened in the middle. And it's it's that it's those darn closing moments of a game again for the Bearcats. They weren't able to close it out in regulation due to 
a combination of mistakes, be it poor offensive possessions, shots early in the shot clock, defensive breakdowns, goes to overtime, but on the shoulders of Landers Nolly and his mid-range jump shot, they do prevail, 88-83. Your feelings watching this game, but also knowing that it's on the back of a very solid start-to-finish performance against Central Florida earlier uh, last week. Well, uh, let's let's start with the text I sent you early early on in the game, where I was like, early on, we're living we're living by the three ball, and I, I wish I would have actually sent the stat to you because I, I forget, but the majority of our three point shots made were within the first nine minutes of the game. Yeah, uh, we we shot the three ball very poorly for three three fourths seventy five percent of this game, and that's fine because. Ultimately, we ended up finding our way of driving, driving and getting the ball inside, driving to the hoop, get, getting people involved inside. And that's where this team needs to live. And we saw at the end of the game, we're all sitting there watching Nolly, you know, dribble, 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 and basically pull a step back three pointer. Why? Why? Just drive, take a high percentage shot. It's a tie game. You don't need a three. And I can't, I get it. We're trying to get the ball to the Julius. It's not working. They're, 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 they're defending him incredibly well. Just go. Go 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 go! Uh, it, it was it was almost concerning at the beginning of the game when we're seeing that, and I don't know if that was maybe a reason why the game stayed closer than what it was because we weren't hitting three pointers late, late in the game. We just weren't. We hit them all at the beginning, and we just went super cold. But we continue to score. We continue to score inside, which is which is honestly where this team plays its best basketball is when we're scoring inside. Did you think that offense was the problem throughout the game? Because what I watched. No, is, no, is, that's my point. I think we did. We did well getting the ball inside. And that's where this team thrives is when we're, we're scoring points inside the paint mid range. It, it does. It, they thrive when they're breaking down the defense. And, and I've, I've been beating this drum that even if they're not finishing those possessions with the layup, when they penetrate the defense and then kick out for a three, the percentage on those three pointers goes through the roof. And I'm not going to whip out some sort of calculator right now and prove it to you in statistics, but I know that I look at Daniel. I know you Skilling. have it. I know you have it. Daniel Skillings Jr. is someone that we've seen take a multitude of three pointers throughout the season. When Daniel Skillings Jr. takes a three pointer off the catch, feet set in rhythm, he knocks it down at a very high clip. When Daniel Skillings Jr. takes a three pointer off the dribble, step back or otherwise, he's highly inefficient and that is a microcosm daniel skilling's experience on the three-point line is a microcosm for the bearcats from the three-point line if this team executes inside out and builds their offense around trying to get into the lane through david DeJulius drives through landers nolly mid mid post-ups through driving dishes to odio guama or victor lockin through mikey uh, micah adams woods driving to the paint and kicking out those are better possessions. And over the last several games, I would argue that we have started to see a true shift in the way the Bearcats are approaching offensive basketball. Things weren't necessarily broken before then. We had plenty of high offensive, high octane offensive performances, but they were against largely terrible teams. And they were very boomer bust type performances because you're relying almost exclusively on whether or not your three-point shot is going down. But when you look at how they performed 
for about three quarters of the East Carolina game. We won't talk about the 16-point collapse. And when you talk about the, the UCF game and the Temple game, those were disciplined, much more disciplined offensive performances. And it started with giving up the notion that we couldn't get the ball inside. No, in fact, we could and we can, and it just takes a certain level of effort. And since then, you've seen what I think is a much more disciplined approach on offense. Uh, there's not much argument there. I mean, it's 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 truth. You know, we have ball handlers who are capable of penetrating. They're capable of running the pick and roll. We have a very confident big man in Victor Lockett, and I think you alluded to this on the spaces, or someone did. It might have might have been Go Beer Cats. It, it could have been Vivo Cats. It, that we're seeing the emergence of an actual second big man, right? The of being able to come out and run that pick and roll. And that is that is leading to high high efficiency scoring. Uh, say his name. The one thing. Say his name. Say his name. Say his, say name. his name. His name deserves his to be name. spoken. Speak his name onto this podcast. I can't yet, man. I'm not. I'm not sold. <laughs> You're not what? I don't know if I'm sold. I don't know if I'm sold. Uh, Hummer, he's Odeo, been crushing it for Odeo five consecutive games. Odio Guam has been crushing it, but I'm more talking about we we did have the emergence of why can't I pronounce his name right now? Is it the twelve beers I've had today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to pronounce it. I'm just going to butcher uh, it. Kalua Zikbe. <laughs> Kalua Zikbe. Kalua Zikbe. You think I was trying to trick you? I just wanted you to say Odio Kwama into the podcast. No, I want. I know Odie, but I'm sitting here trying to think. Like, I also want to give Kalu his 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 due, but I'm like, I'm like, I am twelve beers deep, and I can't really think of his name right now. Oh, because did he's we, actually. Did we deep. acknowledge the fact that you're in Florida right now on vacation? Did that no, get acknowledged? We we have not acknowledged that either. Okay, so that's, let's also build that caveat into the rest of this episode. Folks, Hummer is, is 12 deep on vacation in Florida. Back to you, Hummer. Yeah, back to me. Either way, we had the emergence of the second big man, if not the emergence of, of maybe even a, I heard someone say, the senior desperation third third big man of Kalu and Zikbay. And... Look, that's good news for us because down the road, like we know we're either de we're destined for the NIT, but caveat, but if this team makes a run, and I'm going to say this too, we want Houston to win out from here on out. We yes. don't want to see Houston get that angry loss right before they play us because that seems to happen lately is that they lose right before they play us and then they, they want to beat the snot out of us as like that, that get back revenge game for them <laughs> losing to an inferior squad. We want to be the one to give them that inferior loss. Kelvin Sampson closes the practice, practice, no journalists, no access. We are, we are getting, we're rallying the guys around the, the UC game. This next. That, that has happened. I think that happened for both UC games this year. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Go Houston. It's, yeah, go Houston. Like, just win because the only way we're getting the NCAA is to get the at large. The at large. Is there a shot we could do it? Sure. Tomorrow or not tomorrow? Next game against Memphis. That's actually in my mind going to tell me can we do it? Because we need to show that we can go in and beat a quality a quality team. Memphis. We haven't beaten a real quality team all year. Um, somehow 
I guess UCF maybe counted as a quad one win. That's I think you pointed us out as an indictment on the season if that's our only quad one win. Uh, but the, the the team is playing good basketball. They are. They're playing a better brand of basketball than they were at the beginning of the year. We've seen improvement, and I oh, can't I can't I, say I'm 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 happy about that. Allow me to allow me to organically plug the Discord server, which will be renamed very soon. Very exciting announcement announcement on the way. Um, I would say a vicious stomach bug has delayed it somewhat because I had some work to do on it this week and and failed to to get my part done. I would say this, folks in the Discord, someone alluded to our a win over Temple tonight, meaning the Bearcats were now flirting with heater territory that we might be on a heater. Guys, pump the brakes. No, we're not. You can't. You can't be on a heater. Can two we, can we two games after losing and blowing a sixteen point lead against East Carolina, which itself was two games after blowing a seven point lead against Tulane. No, 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 no. We're not on a heater. But Hummer, I will say this. I will say this. We win at Memphis. We're on a heater. We're on a heater, buddy. Up, if we win at Memphis, we're on. We're back on a heater. So what you're saying is we're heating up. We're heating up. NBA Generals. We are. We are officially heating up. Two games after historically terrible loss against ECU. Well, let me let me reel you back in here for a second. Let me let me reel reel this back in and with this game that we just won. I know we're all high off the victory. Uh, I'm I'm not going back and looking at the stats. Most of those three pointers were were made in the first half. We were very poor from uh, from three point land in the second half. We shot ninety three percent from the field goal or uh, from free throw land. That is very abnormal for this team. It's not just historical for this team, but in in general, that's not something you're going to see every night. We won this game tonight at the free throw line. This game could have very easily gone the other direction had we been shooting the free throws towards 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 the mean, towards the average. Uh, they still have to play better. We were we were given up a lot of a lot of points, a lot of drives early into the paint to Temple before we were kind of settling in on defense. And even then, we still gave up we still gave up eighty. This was not a great defensive effort, in my in my opinion. No, that, and that's what we needed to talk about before we move on to any sort of big picture conversation is the fact that defensively the the performance was quite bad tonight, and and that's where the weakness lied. So when you look at our offensive performance, you know we we can nitpick those last two possessions. It it harkens back to some of the challenges we've seen this team have closing out games when when they when they get tight they default to the path of least resistance, which is an easy three-point shot. That's what we saw Nolly do at the end of the game. And we saw a situation earlier where David DeJulius gave up the ball to Nolly, which is kind of worst case because DeJulius is the guy we want with the ball in his hands in the closing moments. But all of that is beside the point. The reason that Temple was still in this game was because they put up a 41-point second half. It was because they were able to shoot 47.5% from the field. 43.5% 43.5% from three. And frankly, that is a legitimate number. A lot of their three-pointers were open in rhythm at times. You know, they didn't give up a ton of offensive rebounds, but the, the, the offensive rebounds we gave up, they seemed to get an open three and they seemed to knock it down. Temple, I thought, played a really, really solid game. They, again, played us really well. Aaron McKee seems to, to, do, to know exactly how to scout and play against the Bearcats. All in all... Last two possessions aside, and the fact that this was an overtime game that shouldn't have been, 
This is a really solid win for the Bearcats. This is a tough matchup. We're 0-3 over the last two years against Temple heading into this game. And let's face it, it's things aren't the easiest for this team. And it's not always easy to work someone back in the lineup as good as Vic Lockett, where they're they're going to be rusty. The the physical fitness isn't going to necessarily be there. He's not going to be ready for the speed of play. To to have a win like this in Victor Lockett's first game back, allowing him to also get a little more revved up for that Memphis game, a game where he can really capitalize on his size. I think we're in a really good spot now heading to Memphis in a game that I think is actually a more preferred matchup for the Bearcats than even Temple. Interesting. <laughs> let's let, there's a lot to unpack there. Let's let's unpack the 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 shooting from the field that we allowed the the percentage the forty seven percent that we allowed, and let's let's dive in, let's dive into that. We give up a lot of points off of off of missed shots in that transition zone. And there was a particular point where you text me and you said, I hated that Nolly shot. And I said, I can't, can't agree more. And I think before I can even say something like these, these are the type of shots that we take early, the shot clock that miss, you know, long range rebound that, that leads to a more to, of a fast break situation, semi transition opportunities. Hummer. That was the very first possession of the second half. That was Nolly settling for a terrible three pointer. First possession of the second half, which but we see that a lot. That's the thing. That's what I'm trying to like point out. We see this a lot where they get points off of those. Where we're, I don't know if there's a stat that captures that, that says like, oh, you take a shot early in the shot clock, it misses. It's a long rebound. You like you said, semi transition, and it leads to an open three or or an open mid range jumper or frankly even a dunk. You know, something a, a layup, whatever that that stat would be. The Bearcats, I would just imagine we're off the charts on that because we take so many of those bad shots and we miss them. We used to take more of them, though. We that used to true. take more of them. You, If you look at shot selection these past few games, East Carolina, I think we took 23 pointers against. We took 22 tonight. 22 tonight. And then Central Florida, we took even less. I mean, they, they are starting to. We did not exceed twenty three pointers against Central Florida. So what I'm you're starting to see this team redistribute the shot selection, and they're probably not, we're not making many less three pointers. We're just cutting out the garbage, and when you cut out the garbage, you're wasting less possessions. You're getting more fouls against the defense, which is why you're seeing more free throw attempts. Aggression does lead to good things. You're not always going to make the layups. You're not going to always make every two point shot, but you're going to draw more fouls. You're going to put more pressure on the defense. You're going to actually make them defend you for more possessions. You're going to wear them down more. You're starting to see the benefits of that in these games. Uh, you know, Temple was gassed in overtime. Temple was gassed in overtime. They had no reason to... They they had all the momentum. If you believe in that kind of thing heading into, into overtime, they had all the momentum when you consider how that game was closed and the fact that the Bearcats settled for that terrible three. The fans are sucked out of the game. And yet they're they're completely winded for that overtime session. And and credit to Nolly for as bad as that final possession was, he responded incredibly. By doing well. what he should have done. By doing what he should have been should have done the last possession, which is use your speed, use your ball handling skills, get to the hoop. Cold blooded assassin in overtime. And that that was like Dude. when I, when he Beautiful. showed up on campus, I looked at Nolly and thought his best case scenario is like Johnny Juzang Light. 
who was a, a mid-range killer for UCLA a couple years ago on that Final Four run, he definitely is not that, but he has mid-range game if he when he chooses to use it, when he doesn't settle for the for the pull-up threes, which are, you know, they're not terrible shots, but he can, he can get them whenever they want. You know, work harder, get in the post, take advantage of your size, use the up fake to draw some fouls, and get some easier shots in the mid-range. It's a no-brainer, and he executed flawlessly in overtime. The only other thing I, I think I'd like to see even more of, which we are getting even better at, right? we've been we were terrible at the beginning of the year. We've seen improvement. The pick and roll is obviously there. It's working well. We know what we have that in Victor Lock. Actually, maybe we don't know. I think there's maybe more to unlock with Victor Locken. Uh, I want to see our guards dump the ball down low more. Even on these fast breaks, if you see Locken when he's when he's guarded one on one, even on the fast break, and you have the guy in front of you, pass it down the Locken because they they're probably going to double team him. They're, on those fast on those transitions, he's more than likely that's out of position. There has to be a mismatch there. He's really hard to guard. Pass it down. See if he gets double teamed. He can dump it back down to you. Uh, I see a lot of these opportunities that I don't know if we're we're seeing those and and we're not capitalizing on those on on some of our transition back to the hoop. What do you think? I think I think there's tons of truth in it. It's it was Vic's first game back, so you weren't going to be able to go to him in any sort of sustained capacity due to a foul trouble, b fitness, but. When when those bigs are running the court and he and Oguama both do it, when they're running the court, you got to try and find them, and you know take advantage of that pick and roll. The pick and roll offense is working really well. DeJulius has been incredible in terms of distribution and consistently getting assists. He's finally tapping into that that David DeJulius playmaker mode that we so badly want and so badly think we need. He's he's at his best when the ball's in his hands as a way to get teammates involved. He's deadly in that way. Um, rather than being that isolation step back killer, that's too inconsistent. It, it's too easy to contest as a six foot guard, but it is there as a weapon to get the shot when he needs it. He's still a guy who can get the floater. He can get the three, he can get the mid range. So when you do need a bucket, it's good to go to him, but it's much better as a, from, from a team functionality standpoint to have David DeJulius as more of a facilitator from, uh, for a majority of the game. Yeah, I agree. All right, Macro, what are we looking at here? We're looking at a Saturday matchup against a Memphis team that was without the all-time leading scorer in American athletic basketball, Kendrick Davis, because of a ankle injury. And I thought I, I thought you were about to say it may be a possible murder conviction, but wrong wrong team. <laughs> wrong team. Sorry, poking fun at myself. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we obviously his health status weighs heavily on this game. Memphis Road is always challenging due to how ugly the court is and how unnatural it is and how much of a monstrosity it is to the game. Whose court's uglier? Whose court's uglier? Memphis or TCU? Uh I I I struggle to think anything is worth worse than Memphis. God, go take a look at TCU's court. It is atrocious. It's like it's like Boise State of it's the Boise State of basketball. It is so terrible. There's so many like angles and just like it's like looking into a I don't know the the parallelograms and stuff. Oh yeah, look at yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awful. 
to me, it looks like that the meme that you saw of the hotel hallway where they did some weird shapes with the carpet to prevent people from running in the hallways. Yeah. It's like the Horn Frogs <laughs> don't want people running successfully on their basketball court. They don't want their opponents to know exactly how to move. And credit to them, that's the ultimate home court advantage. And maybe that's what Memphis is going for, just the much worse and less cool version of it. <laughs> I love it, the less, the less cool version of it. Um, but no, you're, you're right. This game is, honestly, this is probably the, this will be the biggest game up into the season. We haven't had a, 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 a game in a while, in at least three seasons, where we say this is a big game. Right. The implication of this of this particular game, right? Right now what we're in sole possession of fourth place. Is that correct? Sole possession. We're we're excited about that. We're in sole but possession we, of fourth place. That's correct. But we are still maybe kind of vying for the second the second seed is probably in my mind that's a far fetched uh scenario. It's not as far fetched as you think because Tulane has a game that's happening right now against Houston where they're getting flacked. And Memphis Which is fine. Memphis still has another game against left 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 against Houston as well. So, you know, projecting so forward, we're rooting for both Houston. We root for both Houston. Of those teams Houston. Have we went out. We get, to we get the two seed. So if we if we went out, Houston wins out. We get the two seed. We still have the possibility of backing into a, a two seed potentially. I think is that what we need? Seed. Is that what we need to happen? I'm not looking at the standings. If if Houston wins out, knowing that they have a game against Memphis. And they're currently playing Tulane. Then, if we went out, then we would get the two seed. Well, let's kind of let's let's game theory through this. Let's take a look at the standings. Wow, we should have been prepared for this talk. <laughs> We're doing a game reaction. You can't be. You're not going to have every single little scenario mapped out. And I look at it like this. Let's find the uh, let's find the old standings here. American athletic standings. Why don't you filibuster while I look these up? Why don't you tell, give people some, some ideas of, of what you've, the takes you may have caught wind of from me or otherwise that you hated and that deserve to be called out and would have been, had you been here and not washing out. Here, Here's a, here's like maybe, maybe between you and I, this is a hot take. Um, it's not going to be that, that hot of a take, but, I've been like thinking about the feelings that I have like towards the coaches. Right. And I saw that there was this, this post on, on Facebook, it was probably a Neil and Neil thing saying like who, who in your dream scenario would be the head coach of UC and it had like Cronin it had uh, Huggins. And, and I, and my comment was like, there's only one logical choice in a dream scenario. It is Huggins. There is no, you, there is literally no other way you could say it's any way other than Huggins because he would have been here for 30 years. He would have to have justified his existence here for 30 years, meaning we would have won national championship, plural, probably, for someone to justify their existence at a university for 30 years. That being said, I'm looking at more about my feelings towards Wes Miller in that scenario, and I'm like, I'm honestly, I love Wes Miller. I actually like him as a coach. I like where he's going. I like that we're seeing improvement with this team, which is what we've been saying we need to see. And I'm also trying to take that into account for, for what's going on in the current landscape with NIL recruiting and how we're, we're kind of in this like new, new world order of how things are going to shake up and how things are going to work out with, with this. 
And I see that he has skillings tonight. He looked honestly, that's if that's what we get a glimpse of, that the skillings we saw tonight is what we, we get to look forward to in the future. Give me more. Feed it to me, shove it down my throat, put it in a blender, feed it to me through a straw, give it to me raw, uncooked. I don't care. It looks <laughs> phenomenal. Put me I'm in a coma it. and inject me Dan- Daniel Skilling's highlights into my veins. Yes, give it to me. I'm here, right? And so I'm now also excited to see this next these next couple guys coming in, right? I'm looking forward to seeing Jizzle. I'm looking forward to see Griffith. I'm I'm here for it. So I want to see where this. I, I'm I'm wanting to say, you know what? Here's the obviously he has the ship, right? I'll be your first mate, man. I'm gonna I want to look out on the side of that bridge here, and I'm gonna I want to I want to be the one saying, all right, I see it, I see the iceberg, all right, turn left. Right, let's turn left. I'll, I'll I'll help. I'll help. I'm here. I'm here for it. I'll trust what Captain says. Um, I'm still here. Like obviously, I want to be able to criticize if, if I see if he's doing some weird things that we're just not agreeing with. But for the most part, I, I he's making improvements. I don't know what else I can ask for. This this roster has its limitations, and I think he is starting to make the best of it. Even though we have had some collapses on some games where we could easily have 21 wins right now. Um. But I'm, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not opposed to like just saying, hey, I trust Wes. Let's see where it goes. I love the analogy you just equipped me with. I'm going to use that going forward where Wes is the captain of the Titanic. Or let's not, let's not call it the Titanic because the Titanic <laughs> sucked. Wes is the captain of the Bearcats basketball program, which is a Titanic esque ship. I'm, the little peon that's at the at the serving as lookout and i see a glacier up ahead that glacier was the style of basketball the bearcats played for about 25 games this season jacking threes no discipline no accountability for shot selection giving up easy layups apathetic defense casual offense and i'm waving and i'm saying hey captain captain there's a glacier. The way you're playing, it's going to sink the ship. Captain, do something. There's a glacier. And guess what? Maybe the captain heard. Maybe the captain heard the message. And what do you do? Do you steer the jib? What? How do you steer a boat? You turn the wheel. You lifted the sail. Maybe, maybe he didn't even have to hear us. I doubt that he logged. I, I'm I'm gonna say I think Brandon did. I think John Brandon actually listened to our podcast. I think he hated us. I don't think Wes Miller listens to us, and good for him. I think he just honestly knew. I think he's he's also able to see. I think he has he had guys on staff that are also pointing out and saying, "Hey, look, we need to turn turn the wheel this way. We need to do something a little different than what's going on because this isn't working." My point is, I'm trusting him to captain the ship. Let's see where it goes, and I'm just. I'm just not kind of like – I'm just not hating him. I love his demeanor on the court. I love how he, he chews people out. I love that he fucking sweats. He didn't his, do – he did shirt. not chew people out until recently, though. That's the thing. We're starting fine. to see he's, West he's, he's getting over into he's guys getting, now. All right, fine. We're, he's past that John Brandon and I need to baby you all because you guys just right. got worked into the ground and now I can, maybe he's being himself for once. Maybe this, this is, is what, what we're I've seeing. been saying though, Hummer. He's growing I, into himself. I've told people I'm a growth mindset guy. People can improve. They can adjust. They can adapt. We're seeing Wes Miller adapting in real time. And it's a beautiful thing. 
Kudos oh. to Wes. Kudos to Wes. Uh, He's adapting. Got, got, He's changing. You got the standings pulled up. I got them pulled up. It took me a while. I got them. So you got you've got Houston. Sorry, you've got Tulane. We're a game. We're a game behind Memphis, and we're a game and a half behind Tulane. But Tulane's going to be ten and four after tonight in the AAC. Memphis already is ten and four. The Bearcats sit at ten and six. So we've played two more games than Memphis and Tulane. Tulane has a remaining schedule. While I look this up, you look up Memphis. Tulane has a finishing schedule of home against Wichita State at East Carolina, win. Home against East Carolina, win. And then they've got another game that's a home matchup against Temple. Temple's obviously the toughest remaining game on their schedule. They've got two losses. They're two losses up on the Bearcats right now. So when I look at them, I would rate that as unlikely for the Bearcats to catch Tulane at this point, especially given the fact that we gave them that game at Tulane. All right. So, and uh, from the Memphis standpoint, they do have to put, like you said, they end the game, end the season at Houston. They play at Wichita. They play at SMU. Sorry, and they're at home against Houston. Let's let's keep that in mind. That's actually, you know, but they that, also that play the play Bearcats too. Like the Bearcats have some control. So if over we the if Memphis we if matchup if we win out against Memphis, I don't know what the tiebreakers are, but there's a solid chance we're at least sliding up into the three. Yes. So then it comes really down to we are the biggest Temple fans. And yep. that they need to, they need to, we need some help. Like you said, we need to, we need a backdoor slide into it. You know what though? Let's go back to the beginning of the season. And I know let's, train, let's, let's train your ass back to Philadelphia, throw on the temple shirt, welcome yourself back into the 24 seven temple boards. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm home. <laughs> I'm, I'm more talking about at the end of at the beginning of the year. Like let's, let's get, I know we always have, we always have our Homer me in particular, having my Homer takes. Are we? I think we're excited about actually, legitimately vying for maybe a first round buy in this tournament. I'm Are ex- we? I, yeah. Look, with seven games remaining in the regular season, I was all about finishing as the two seed in the American Athletic. Mistakes were made. You can't take back what happened against Tulane. You can't take back what happened against East Carolina. But there's still an opportunity to win a game at Memphis that I wouldn't have necessarily penciled us in for before that seven game stretch started. So there's yeah. still a chance for redemption. It was still a less than ideal finish down the stretch, given what happened in those games. But I have seen legitimate positive steps forward over the last several over the last few games. And I am somehow in an insane way including the East Carolina performance in that because of what I saw for three quarters of that game, even though the last quarter of it was a 16 point blown lead that resulted in a loss to East Carolina. It's the weirdest. Let's, Jedi just, say, mind let's, trick. Just, say it, let's just say it one more time. One more time. A, a blown 16 point lead that resulted in a loss to East Carolina. But let's Ugh. not, but you know what? That's not what happened tonight. The Bearcats win 88, 83. They prevail. They persevere. Was it dramatic? Yes. Was it too hard at times? Yes. But was it a fun game to watch? Was it nice to have energetic, high stakes, high intensity basketball back at Fifth Third Arena? All right. I'm gonna agree with you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this one topic up. This is what I want to end on. If you want to tune out now, now's your chance. Now's your chance. Because I'm gonna talk about the worst fan base that's entering into the Big 12 with us, which is Central Florida. And after we beat them in basketball for the second time this year, 
They're just like, they can't handle it. They, this is how I know this is becoming a legitimate rivalry because not only can they not stand us on the gridiron in football, they hate us in basketball, yet they have Taco Fall as the only history in basketball that they have. Like, that's it. You have Taco Fall. You have nothing else to hang your hat on as UCF basketball fans. Like, in Taco Fall, for me personally, he's so overrated. He is one of the worst players you could have ever had being your representative of of a fan base, of a, of a university. Is like, oh, that's my professional player. Like, I'm sorry. Do you guys know who the fuck you're talking about when it comes to UC basketball? Right? Do you know who we have? We have Nick freaking Van Axel. Okay. We have Kenyon Martin. We have Oscar. Like, we have we have Jason Maxfield played for several several years in the NBA. We have recent players from the Cronin era who played in the NBA. Like, who the hell do you think you are? And then this is what their comeback is. This is what their comeback is. Um, your coach was wearing Ferragamos and wasn't wearing Under Armour. So let me get this straight. Your 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 retort that you're upset about is that our coach was wearing seven hundred dollar gym shoes. And not thirty-four dollar Under Armour shoes. Like so, wait, wait, wait. You're upset that our coach was wearing a pair of very suave, very sophisticated Ferragamo gym shoes on the court side in in Orlando. Um, do you guys also know that David Joyce has been wearing Kobe's all season? We don't have an actual like a licensing agreement with Under Armour. It's a agreement where we get gear but we don't actually have to use it so first off fuck you central florida you suck at basketball you're going to be the bottom barrel of the big 12 and we might be there at first with you but there's one difference between you and us all right we're cincinnati basketball and we're going to be on top all right we are a blue blood and i said this before i said this several years ago get us into the big 12 and uc will be right back being where we belong in the in the likes and the names of kansas and duke because guess what? We have national championships. We have final fours. We have elite eights. You have jack fucking shit. Just like Xavier. Go fuck yourselves.